This is the Progression Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Anthemson. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Antonson. Today's guest on the show is a return guest and guy that I foil with the most and am, and am inspired by the most here in Florida, Mike Pedigo, uh, who is live. I, I rarely get to do live podcasts as a treat when you can do them because the flow is so much better. You don't have the delay and the whole thing. So it's rad to have Mike here at the house. We just finished an epic battle out back. And we're about to dive in. Before we do, um, you guys have heard my thoughts on the Lyft 120. That thing is blowing my mind. Uh, If you get a chance, if you're upper intermediate or more advanced rider, if you get the chance to hop on it, it is something you should definitely do just because the speed difference from anything else I've ridden changes the way you can look at foiling. And it's not an easy wing to ride by any by any margin, but at least at my weight, at a buck 80, buck 90. But uh, it is one of the most fun things that I have done. So if you get a chance, check it out and you can get them at Big Wins, hit up TJ. I believe they have a bunch in stock right now. And then the other foil that I'm really excited to get my hands on is the uh, the 150 V2 Surf. I think that's gonna fit me a little better than the 200 V2, but don't have my hands on it yet, so I'm excited. Uh, all right, let's dive in, Mike. Stoked to be here again. Yeah, man. It's fun today. A super fun session. Yeah. Super fun session. Where were you on? I was on the Kajira 1210 today, which has been my go-to foil as of late. I'm still bouncing around a little bit with the GoFoil 160, but really enjoying some kind of new feels on the 1210. Um, definitely, definitely an interesting wing. It's got some serious pros and, and cons, but overall, really enjoying that wing for sure. Now, you've been a GoFoil guy, and I like GoFoil. And it seems like when folks get on GoFoil, no one ever leaves GoFoil. Yeah. <laughs> but you, have, I mean, you haven't left GoFoil completely, but you've started opening up and riding other gear. Talk about the experience of stepping outside a single system and Mm-hmm. what it's feeling like riding a bunch of different stuff and you're even building your own foils now which is one of the coolest things yeah the that was a that was kind of a a tough little point in my foiling was moving away from go foil I've, I've gotten nothing bad to say about go foil and i've i learned a lot and had a ton of progression through my riding with go foil and the, my relationship with alex was awesome but we're we're at such a fun point with gear and foiling right now where i i just i just like kind of lust for new feels and you know i see you riding stuff it's i I just i don't want to limit myself to to one brand right now because of the way the industry is moving and how much advancement we have in gear i wanted to be able to design my own foils and not feel like guilty for sharing about that and posting about that so that kind of that kind of lended me towards the separation from GoFoil mostly. Yeah. How do you find the 1210 that you've been on mostly now? Man, I'm loving it. I think it's the, the Takuma system. I'm not overly impressed with. I made a, I made a post on Instagram about that a couple of months back, like right after a really frustrating session, I kept having the wing loosen up. I've had to do some things to that system to make it um, a more solid system. I ended up wrapping a whole layer of carbon around the fuse connection because my wing kept coming loose. I was shearing bolts off and I never had those issues with the GoFoil. So that was super frustrating. Having said that, that front wing is incredible. It's like, it's, uh, it's definitely the best wing I've ridden, the best all around surf wing I've ridden for what we have here in Florida surf wise. Um, so if you can get past some of the potential issues with the with the system and the connection points and some of the weak spots then it's an incredible wing for sure yeah it's uh it's one of my favorite foils for sure but i found myself off of it a lot lately just because with what i'm trying it scares me 
Yeah. You you don't seem to be scared in any way, shape, or form of those tips. Oh, oh I am. I don't, I don't let, think you are, bro. Let me, let me just say something about the, the industry right now. Like, can we, foil makers, can we make a foil that works as well as the NL160 and the Kajira without making it look like a medieval death machine? Like, can we do that? I feel like it's possible. But <laughs> like these foils out of the box. Did Lyft just do it with the 120? It's crazy. I don't know. That one's kind of sharp too, though. It's not in the same way. It's though. not, it's not, I don't think you can cut sushi with it, but it's still, you're right. It doesn't have the, it doesn't have like the winglets that just look like they're ready to rip into your wetsuit and your skin at the same time. I'm scared of my eyes. Yeah. I look at the NL and I just feel I like those are eye gouges. And the Kajira, I mean the same thing. We watch, uh, we watch the show Forged in Fire all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you like making <laughs> stuff like, and it's, what's hilarious is it's my wife's favorite TV show. And so like every night she wants to watch forged and fire so we're like running through them all right now and a lot of times i think about the nl and the kajira tips Mm -hmm. being you know on all those weapons yeah yeah it's it's sketchy i've i've sanded down my kajira tips i've sanded down my nl tips i say sanded down they're they're there so i think that they still have some function of helping with efficiency but the i've taken down the danger level a notch and i think for Anybody who wants to hit foam or do, I mean, if I was doing a downwind race or something, I probably wouldn't touch it right out of the box. It's super efficient. Right. It makes sense, but I'm not, I'm not doing downwind racing. I'm, I'm trying to hit foam. I'm trying to push it a little bit. And I just, I don't want that extra scare factor to keep me to safety surf, as you say. Yeah. I don't want to have to safety surf. So, so my tips are sanded. Yeah. For sure. All of mine are sanded as well. I couldn't believe like, the video that I did of the Kajira tail cutting sushi was legit. Yeah, <laughs> that's that I, video I, is all time. I thought about it and I did it, and then I didn't think it was going to be that easy, and it kind of scared me. Yeah, when I did that, I was like, I think about it now when I'm surfing, um, when I'm skinning it versus wearing a wetsuit. Yep. When I'm skinning it, I'm like, oh man, like I'm that much more exposed, you know, <laughs> lack of protection. Um, gnarly. Well, right on, man. So I love it when people come prepared to the podcast and maybe I'll post a pic of this. I'll do this right now. I'll actually grab a pic. Uh, Mike has come prepared with a whole mental map of things that he's thinking about lately. Call him a mind map. Mind map. Um, it's not the prettiest thing I've ever seen, but <laughs> there's a whole lot on here. Let's start with what impressed me the most with you in the last little bit is how quickly you've gotten good at winging and what you're seeing as the potential for winging with our conditions here. We don't have the same like Hawaii type wind setup, but the other day was eye opening. I'm a few months behind you in the learning curve. You gotta, you gotta jump on me there, but it's cool to see you out ahead. And and especially that last session we had last week was unreal. how, how are you looking at wind, winging right now? Well, first of all, I kind of I kind of have my leg up on you. I feel like it's from my kiting background. There you go. So just to throw a little credit towards you, the progression you're seeing, it's like ha- half of it already is there from kiting. Like I just understand it. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many similarities with winging and kiting. Man, winging here, it's definitely like opens up a, another realm of possibilities. I think we have, sometimes we have conditions where you don't really want a foil prone foil surf, you know, it's super blown out gnarly, like not worth going out front. And that's when winging comes in, especially when you can get to the inlets and the places that have a little bit of a protected area. Um, like up, um, North of North of here, we have a place that's got an inlet, a small inlet and a pond, and you can wing from the pond, which is totally, protected into the inlet and then have a graduating surf level so like you can start with a knee high wave and then it becomes a chest high wave if you want further you go out and that is super fun on the wing Um, just learning how to get out there with the wing and depower the wing and then go straight to foiling and then repowering the wing and heading right back out for another one there's no pumping it's just wave after wave and it's it's starting to feel more and more fluid just like prone foiling is for me. Yeah. When we did our last ocean wing session, the glides that you were getting started to look like surfing. Yeah. And it's the first time that someone in our crew 
has looked like surfing. And, and, and that's the moment that I've been kind of waiting for because for me right now, it's just still all about winging. And I mean, I like winging. I think that I see the potential. You mean all about, all about prone foiling? So all about winging. No, no, no. It's like right now when I'm winging, it's all about the winging. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all about just trying to make my jobs. Just, just make and it work. Yeah, yeah, just make it work. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. not having, I mean, I'm having fun, but it's not the same amount of fun I have. You're, you're right on the edge of where you're going to start. Yeah. Yeah, the winging stuff will be the natural part because you'll have it ingrained and then you can begin to do more of the surf yep. stuff because the wing stuff you'll have it yeah that last session we did in the ocean was super super fun that was eye-opening for me too i think that was probably the furthest offshore i foiled we were a mile offshore yeah. according to my watch and solid, i didn't like it solid mile and i was there was kind of this little fun zone where waves were coming through like wind swell waves and i was able to capitalize on them and make connections and kind of felt like true more open ocean downwinding which i really haven't been able to do a lot of it made me think of those guys like james casey and yep. dave kalama and i'm reading these little wind swells and finding energy and i'm like man these those guys that are doing this stuff like on the regular they're on a whole nother deeper level of understanding like you can you can't understand that kind of energy until you see it and until you feel it yep. you know I mean, you can watch it on videos and appreciate it but like I mean, it just being there and, and like trying to capitalize on that energy and, and knowing what those other guys are doing around the world, it's mind blowing. Whole nother level, wizardry. Yeah, it's epic. And you know what surprises me? The more I'm getting offshore and the shore runners, I'm getting farther offshore. That day we were a mile offshore. It's how much the energy changes from, you know, 200 meters to the beach versus, you know, 300, 400, half mile, mile out. Yeah. and how much different angle and energy so like that day i mean what was it probably a 40 degree difference in swell angle mm -hmm. when you were you know a half Pretty mile much. offshore yeah. and yeah. It, the energy was so much more um yeah we got to figure out how to tap into that here for downwind i think what we need to do is get dave kalama over here or james casey yeah. and have those some of those like downwinding gurus come come look at our condition like, this is how i would do this you know? I, I think, think winging is board. winging is going to help yep for sure but but the problem is with our coastline when it gets super downwindable offshore it always seems like it's super gnarly on the beach and we just don't have it's access points are our problem yep you, you know, i think we need like a giant head headland or something that goes out or a big point we have the jetty we do have the jetty, but it's on a base, which you got to like. You can get a pass. Get a pass to get you can into. get a pass. Yeah. So I, uh, true. Greg, true. who we wing with, has a pass. That's going to be the way. I think yeah. that's what we need to dive into. But in talking to Kalama a few times recently and kind of explaining our setups, and I think it's the prone downwind board. So I think it's a hundred liter. Yeah. Like what he's riding, something that we can paddle way offshore. Mm -hmm. Paddle through the chunky surf to yep. get out there, yeah. Yep, no no paddle, like no stand-up paddle because it's going to be too hard because like on the days that I think are going to be best, it's, you know, six-foot surf. It's gnarly. Yeah. yeah. Close and, interval, six-foot. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be able to duck dive to get through it. I think you could on a big enough board and I think you could make the paddle out. And then I think once you're offshore far enough, the swells run parallel to the shore. More. Yep, so you could actually stay offshore. Yeah. But you could have some really long runs. Yeah. Um. Tomorrow we're going to get a great shore runner. It's going to be like 18 to 20 from the south, which is my favorite. I'm jealous. Yeah. Someone has to be on shift tomorrow, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get over it though. Um, so let, what do you want to dive into here, man? There's so much stuff on your. Yeah. It's a um, brain dump. Yeah. You know, one thing. All right. So watching you surf for these last few months, you and I have crossed paths, mm -hmm. you know, for the last year i've been trying to work on minimalizing all effort becoming as efficient as i possibly can getting everything to really smooth out i feel like i got to a pretty good spot with that and then i started getting really aggressive you've been aggressive from day one i mean just scary watching all the tacos that happen and then the, <laughs> the beautiful moments as well but now you started smoothing everything out mm -hmm. and so it's an interesting it's interesting because you know, we're going in opposite directions. We're going to arrive at the same place yeah, here we're, we're in six in months. Place, yep. For sure. Uh, but how has that process been for you? And what are you focused on 
right now in your foiling? Yeah. So I, first of all, I think, I think your approach actually makes more sense, <laughs> but, <laughs> but having said that, um, I, there's something that I really enjoy going out and trying new things. And, yeah. you know, it's like, yes, this doesn't look good yet, but it's doable, but I did it. Or, you know, so it's like when I go out and I have that, that mindset of like, Oh, I'm going to have, you know, I want to do a super gnarly foam hit or whatever, like just the tightest possible wrap I can imagine. And I, and I do it, it feels good. So it's, it's almost like a, you know, I just get that like, boom, a, immediate satisfaction of accomplishment. And then it's like, once I know that that's doable, then I, in my mind, I go, okay, how do I smooth that out? Like, what do I need to do to make that better? What do I need to do to make that more efficient? And that's kind of where I'm at in my foiling right now. It shows. It's trying to not necessarily do things that I haven't done before, but do the same things that I've been doing and just make them more fluid, make them connect better, make sequences of those same lines, but, you know, just draw them better together. And it's been super fun. And, and honestly, the jumping on the Kajira, for whatever reason, that wing lends itself to, for, for me, when I'm on that wing, it just, I just want to be more fluid. It's something it's so about buttery. the way that wing rides. Yeah. It's like, yeah. like my NL is, it's a, uh, snappier i would say which is great but the kajira has such a fluid feel to it that it kind of makes me want to be more fluid so that's kind of helped me go more for style and smoothness lately i think it has a lot to do with the efficiency of the 12 10 to where you kind of always have enough speed mm -hmm. so you get to focus on the maneuvers and not the moments in between and that's one of my favorite things about a foil and where some foils I think lack is that so there's some foils that I love that are really radical, but I'm always behind the eight ball in the speed I want for the next turn. Right. And so you find yourself pumping on the bottom or having to stay higher in a section where you know that you could draw a bottom turn out farther mm -hmm. if you had a more efficient foil. And the Kajira, the 1210 is probably the best foil I've ever felt for that. Yeah. With with the intersection of turning and that glide, the 190, which I've been on a little bit lately. Again, I love the 190, but I broke it today, <laughs> which really upset me. Um, I was riding really bad for the second half. I kept checking all the connections, and I figured out that I actually cracked the fuse. Now, I have ridden that thing for hundreds and hundreds of hours, so can't be too mad about that. And I probably did it on stuff the thing was not designed to do. But um, the... Uh, the 1210 is the best marriage of that turn and glide that yeah, I've felt and so that, far. And that's why I've been on it. It's, yeah, it, I can pretty much take the 1210 out in, in anything up to, say, chest high and guarantee you have a great session. So, yeah. What are you most excited about for the next year? If you chart your growth over the last two years, and I'd say that your learning curve has been incredibly steep. Um, if you look at kind of where we were, where you were a year ago yeah. and what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. And I credit our battle a lot for that, if I'm being honest, because absolutely, you know, for it, both of us, it's yeah. Um, I fall twice as much when I foil with you. Cause it's always, you know, it's always on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but if you look at your last two years and then you extrapolate out, what do you think you'll be doing? in a year? What do you, what do you want to see your foil skills I, doing? First of all, I hope that my progression level can stay at the same rate that it is now. That may not be realistic. You know, everybody kind of plateaus at some point, has to bust through plateaus. Um, my goal is to keep progressing at a similar rate. Um, and I think gear has helped a lot in that progression too. I agree. So, you know, over the past year, I mean, I think a year ago around this time I was riding a GL 140, which at the time felt like an incredible wing. But now, you know, if I hopped on a 140, I think it would feel like a slug, which I, that is crazy for me to say that because it used to feel so fast. But that just what I'm saying, I mean, gear definitely as gear grows, we grow. Um, we help gear grow also. So, but yeah, I think a year from now, you know, I, I, I like to take take things from, you know, aggressive, like 
professional surfing, like those kind of pocket hits, those kind of foam snaps. Like I'd, I'd like to see more of that while still having the smooth connection turns, you know, way out back and um, kind of a blend of that, that like smooth mid-length feel with critical snaps thrown in the mix, more foam, deeper pockets. I want to get a barrel, <laughs> you know, um, that's kind of the direction I'm looking more radical. Yeah. More yeah. Popular. More radical yeah. while still, while still maintaining flow. Yep. I think we're headed in the same direction. That's, um, everything I've been working on lately is actually, it's funny because if I look at my foil shots as of late versus kind of the height of my surfing ability, it's all the same maneuvers now, not as high the mm -hmm. surf's not as big, but it's the exact same body position. Yeah. Which has kind of all come full circle. And it's, it was interesting because there was a point to where I felt like I was learning to foil and everything felt very different. And now the lines feel very similar to surfing. And when we, when I started getting into the lip game, it felt very natural to me, mm -hmm. you know, cause I was like hitting the lip hard on a surfboard is one of my favorite things to do and For getting sure. the, the tail out. And it's the same turn. And actually, depending on the foil, it can be incredibly similar. Like on the Game Changer or on the Stealth or on the 120 now, it almost feels just like surfing, um, especially paired with the right board. Something a little bit bigger that allows you to land like you're landing on a, on a shortboard, which I like a lot. Um, as far as foils go, if you had to design your favorite foil, or what's the closest foil to where you're headed? Like if you had to pick a foil right now for your learning curve over the next year and you had to commit with one, what would you commit to? Good question. I think uh, it's probably a foil that doesn't exist as far as my knowledge goes right now and what I've ridden. If you had to pick something that's out there right now. Let's see. I don't know. I haven't ridden. The problem is I haven't ridden. Like when I watch you ride the game changer, you know, I, I, I feel like that's the direction I want to yeah, go. Like that'd be close to the top of my yeah, list. Right what there. you're doing on the game changer is the direction I want to go because you're snapping, hitting foam, borderline doing strapless airs, mm -hmm. and then still having flow when you want flow and having the smooth cutbacks and stuff. I mean, that's the direction I want to go. And that foil is doing it. Um, the Kajira is great. But I, I do feel limited somewhat on, you know, foam snaps and stuff. The 160 actually probably a little bit more aggressive surfy wise, for me at least, in the way it feels. Um, but yeah, maybe the game changer or something, you know? I think the game changer, if I had to commit right now, it would be the game changer of the 120. Yeah, for that direction, that specific direction, yeah. If definitely. I had to pick an all-arounder, mm -hmm. I could only ride one foil for a year. It would come down to those two foils right now yeah. and the game changer would lack a little bit in efficiency mm -hmm. if we were doing like the shore runners although i think i could do a pretty good one now the base plate shim changed that foil for me hugely because it lets you take out the tail shim and then all of a sudden the pumping gets 20 percent better but it still turns good and it let me it, it didn't feel very flowy to me mm -hmm. until it was plate shimmed right which was interesting um and then the 120 has everything except for the low end and that low end, we did a shore runner the other night and first run was probably one of the best, most fun experiences I've had on foil. And then the tide got a little bit low and you had to cross the bar cause it was kind of closing out. And I could not keep it going in the trough because there was too much turbulence and too much water moving. And after about eight failed attempts, I walked home. And it's the only time I've walked <laughs> home. So I had like one of the best moments I've ever had on foil to walking home, wanting to quit. It was a special kind of night. And Jason had like the best night ever. And he was like, hit me up. I can't wait to talk about it. I waited like two hours. I just couldn't deal with him. <laughs> Kept texting me. I was like, no, can't talk to you yet, Jay. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, are you going to put on straps? Man, that's funny you say that. I almost did it today. And I feel like I almost do it so much. And then I just never do it. Mm -hmm. I. I'm interested in it. I've done it. I've done it a couple times and it definitely opens up a new window of opportunities. 
But man, I, you know, and you said it on your last show and I feel the same way. There's so much I still want to feel and learn strapless. Yep. And, you know, especially the direction I'm in right now, which is just kind of taking what I know and just trying to make it better and trying to make it more fluid like that, just, you know, throwing in straps. Now I'm starting back over. Like I'm, then I'm going to want to try things I haven't done. So I'm, I'm kind of starting back over from the direction I'm going now. So the answer is yes, but I'm, I'm just not in a rush. Right. Um, I think I'm going to have to get bored or plateau on, on strapless first before I really want to dive into that. And I just haven't hit that point. I've been foiling for like two years and I'm far, far from being bored strapless. That's my criteria as well. I feel like when I think straps are going to teach me something that I can't learn strapless, Mm -hmm. but I also think that the risk, because I know how I'll go once I put straps on. Um, it's an immediate, like... I watch Austin yeah, out back all the time. Right. I mean, Austin Tovey lives here, and I get to ride with Austin, a good, which has been really fun because he comes from a whole different side of foiling. And so, you know, Pedigo and I kind of are in the same vein competing for the same things. And then Austin comes in strapped, and he's just, you know, yeah, spinning no. or grabbing or... And it's just a whole different world. And it's really cool to watch that. It's also cool to watch how much more efficient he can be on the pump using the straps. Because mm-hmm. there's something to be said for that as well. He, he can pump like the 1800 Armstrong so good because he can work on both angles, yeah. up and down. There, there is a point with straps though, when I've, I've felt it's the back foot is almost hindering though. because I'm, He pulls it out. He does. Mm-hmm. You're right. He does. Okay. So yeah, that, that makes sense then. Cause then you can pull up on your front foot and push yep. down. But a lot I've of- been in straps and tried to pump. I couldn't get my back heel off the board. And when I look at videos of me pumping, I mean, my back foot, I'm like on my toes, yep. like really pressing using my calf. And I can't do that with, uh, with my back foot in the straps, but yeah, he's, if he's coming out of them, that's a non-issue. Yeah. He'll pull it out on the pump, generally connection turn without, and then, and then set up. In for the air yeah. with back in the strap. Which is nuts. Cause I mean, he's doing way over the lip on like two foot days and yep. I mean, full rotations, it blow, blows my mind. Yeah. It's super fun to watch. Yeah. That's inspirational as well. It's cool. We've got such a good crew I here know. now. Yeah. The Jack's beach foil community has grown. We had a barbecue last night with a lot of the guys that uh, ride cause I'm headed back to, to work. And so we had like 10 of us hanging out last night, the whole foil crew from, I don't know, younger to a lot older. It's really, it's really dope. Um, let's, uh, let's go into, you started making your own foils this year. Yeah. And I think that's the thing I'm most jealous of. <laughs> uh, I don't have a shop here and, and Mike's <laughs> made a few now and they, and they're, you can't tell when you're riding your foils or someone else's, maybe some of them are better. What have you learned along the way? What are the, what are the biggest takeaways from the yeah, process? A lot, first of all. I'm, um, diving into making foils has caused me to dive more into vacuum bagging. So that was a whole thing in itself. Um, but it's, it's also spawned me doing a lot of research into more research than I've already done into hydrodynamics. And I mean, I'm just I, like totally squirreling at watching birds fly over me and thinking about their foil sections. And, you know, I've, I've read a full article online about that analyzes bird wings and the foil sections. And <laughs> I mean, it's gotten, it's gotten deep for sure. I'm doing an MIT course on aerodynamics right now Are in the you? mornings. Yeah. <laughs> this is all on YouTube, man. It's crazy how squirrely we're getting on this stuff, but it's, it's been really fun. Um, so I'm, I'm about to start my third, um, homemade foil. But the first one was basically just, can I do this? Can I make a foil that works, that doesn't break? Um, And I did, and it actually worked pretty well. And then I was like, okay, well, I need to make one that's better now. And I feel like that's just what's going to keep happening. Uh, Unfortunately, the process is really, really time consuming um, for me. So I'm, I'm trying not to let myself just build a crap ton of foils for myself because it really is time consuming the way I'm doing it. But, um, I looked into some of the sailing stuff. So like the World Cup sailors, like, you know, all those 
um, races are on foil now. Yep. Um, there's a lot of information I feel like we can pull out of that. There's a lot of money in that, um, in those competitions and a lot of research that's been done in those competitions. And I think we can do, you know, we can definitely take away a lot from that. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring up was the anhedral. So I've noticed in the, in the sailing world, a lot of those foils have a pretty pronounced anhedral. And then they're also doing things at the tips to make more of a vertical, yep. when those foils breach, they want the breach to happen in a more vertical point to yep. the surface of the water. And that keeps, that keeps the, um, the ventilation down. Mm -hmm. um, so the last foil I designed um, that I made for myself has a more pronounced anhedral and then a not really winglets like the super steep winglets, but a more gradual turning up towards the outside of the wingtips. And that foil breaches really, really well. I also changed the foil section out there a little bit. So it's a neutral, it's, it's totally neutral. There's no lift one way or the other on the wingtips. So it breaches more vertical, lets less ventilation in. And then because there's no low pressure or high pressure section there, it's less likely to drag water down. And it does, it works really well. Yep. Um, I think that we'll probably start seeing more of that in the future. It would be my guess, like my prediction. And um, people are doing it. Yeah, Lyft does it on all. They've been doing it for a right. long time. I think they yeah. solved that one a long time ago. I think we could see even more though. Like, yeah, because um, the thing is, is the more the more anhedral you have, the more lifting surface area you have overall, and also the further away from the surface your foil is going to be when you're when you're deep in a turn because it's it's. Yep. curved away from the surface of the water and then if you flare up the tips now when the foil does breach it's breaching in a more vertical it just all makes sense like yep. i feel like that's that's the direction we should be going um so yeah doing doing some of my own designs kind of landed me on that i started looking super deep into um surface textures you know like think about like a golf ball like the dimples on a golf ball and how that affects flight like they say golf balls travel 30% further with dimples versus without. Like that's mind blowing right there. Like 30%, that's huge, right? Like, and our foils are all just basically smooth. You know, there's mm -hmm. no particular um, surface texture. And I don't know all the answers to, you know, I don't think that's been super hardcore studied, but you can look at stuff like shark skins. They have the dentricles. Um, it's basically the equivalent of like 800 grit sandpaper. Yep. And you're just bringing down the boundary layer and creating more laminar flow um, and less separation of the laminar flow. So you get more efficiency. And I think we'll, we'll as this sport grows, we're going to be diving into that more. You know, what's the surface texture? Is it super glossy or does it have a little grit? Um, stuff like that. So I, I mean, yeah, it's gotten super squirrely. Yeah. I've been studying some of that as well. And <clears throat> kite racing, race mm -hmm. foils, They've, they seem to be way ahead of the curve in one that thing, regard. Agreed. But one thing about the kite race racing foils, because I thought about this too, the problem with the, the comparing racing foils is you're, you're not going to have as many opportunities for separation of laminar flow because there's not as much turning. So you've right. got a foil that's going in a straight line super, super fast. But when we're surf foiling, we're pressing and we're changing angle of attack, uh, uh, angle of attack super aggressively. Yep. So the opportunity for separation of laminar flow is way higher in a surf foil than it would be in a race foil. Yep. And I think, um, I was talking to my uncle, who's, who's, he's actually an aerospace engineering professor at Penn State. So he's like a super, super awesome resource for me to reach out to. And he was basically saying that, you know, with the, with the type of angle of attack changes that we have, I'm probably better off having a rougher section in the front of the foil to help keep the, the laminar flow stuck to the wing longer. So that, you know, we want to like take down the area where the laminar flow separates and we want to push that back as far as we can to keep the lift up. So, yeah, I mean like kite racing, that's, that's something cool to pull from, but I mean, they don't really have this, the same angle of attack right. fluctuations, you know? Yep. That's one thing that's been really interesting about learning to ride the 120 is that it's the only wing that I stall in a turn. So I, you put G-forces on it, and if I go into a tight turn, like my favorite K-1 
connection turns on the Game Changer 1260. Mm -hmm. If I go to do that connection turn on the 120, I will push the foil through the water midway through the turn as the Gs load up. It's the only time I've ever felt that. And it's really, in the first couple of times was really strange. I feel like there's going to be a place where I can use that, mm -hmm. but it really throws you off. And it's a different feeling because it, it doesn't feel like you vent ventilated. It's the tail loses lift first. The tail starts to go and then the angle of attack on the front wing goes. And then, so it's like a tail, you like tail slide into the, the G force. Yeah. It's really weird. It's like, you're not, it's not the nose doesn't drop. It's like the whole thing kind of. The tail drops first. Yeah. The tail Which goes. Which is totally different from totally a different. like a breech loss. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the only foil that I felt that on. And that's why I've started doing those um, kind of like rail grab turns is because I'm trying to see if I can utilize that moment and kind of like slide into it. Mm, that could open up a whole nother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I've been trying those two now on the 190 and I've had some very scary moments because it does not stall. <laughs> it comes back under you really fast, but uh, I'm trying to learn those, but like breach hard in the middle of the turn, like get most of the foil out to breach it, to create the stall mm -hmm. and then kind of slide into it. You made me think about something with the 190. I've been kind of of a mindset. So like back to foil design, um, you, you almost disproved me today on this with the way you were surfing the 190, but I've been of the mindset that wingspan is in some level kind of an enemy of rolling and of turning and of recovering from turns and that's one reason i think that the anhedral has a, a place to come back in mid to high aspect wings because you're you're going to be able to not fight so much wingspan while still having essentially the same lifting surface area you right. feel me there yeah i do yeah I think the 120 disproves that a little bit though, because I've never felt a foil that rolls over as fast as the 120. Yeah. And so it might have to do with surface area wide because there's almost no surface area. Out that, towards the, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so, so thin towards the wingtips. Yeah. Maybe you're able to just push through it on a roll. Yeah. Right. So it makes me think of something like the Lift 170 where maybe it has like a, gr a graduated taper. So it stays thick for the first, you know, eight inches and then it actually comes out to like the uh the 120 on the tips if you could figure out how to make that work because then you would get the the efficiency of that you wouldn't have to have upturned tips like wing tips mm -hmm. and then um yeah i don't know how that would work you don't see that in any airplane design mm -hmm. but we're solving for different things yeah we are and i think we're yeah especially like the breaching effect like solving for that is kind of a, a different realm like you can't i think we're going in a direction with foiling where we're going to start looking at aircraft less and less because foiling is different because you, you're almost solving for two mediums you got the water part and the air part you know and yep. the connection between the two if it was just water it'd be one thing insert it's, it's foiling really not yeah insert foiling insert right? foiling with like yeah. what people want to do now Right. Yeah. Like race foiling. I think you could, you can definitely have some takeaways from aircraft and super fast foil sections in that realm. But yeah. The, um, let us dive in to looking at the mind map wow. here. This is great, dude. <laughs> Let's talk about pumping. Because yeah. everybody likes to hear about pumping because yeah. no matter how good you are, it's still such uh, an important part of our sport. And it's like a, I have a love-hate relationship with it because mm -hmm. I love to surf <laughs> foils that pump terrible. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's like and I've, I've come to the, con the conclusion that I'd rather get two or three connections on a wing that I can surf great even if the cardio is really high versus pump around for three yeah. minutes on a foil that I always feel like I'm – compromising on man if i could pump my nl 130 i'd probably be on that foil all the time but i can't pump it worth crap so it's like i don't typically it's kind of a toe wing you know because yep. i can't i just can't pump it well enough like i can't get far enough out back like i want to so it's tough man you just it's always a yep. you know you're a give and a take do you have the 120s foils. i do i have the gl 120 which actually pumps better than the nl 130 right i talked to tucker this morning mm-hmm uh, and he was saying that that's his foil now. Yeah. That's his favorite foil. He can pump it good. Yeah. It definitely and pumps it serves amazing. 130. It serves great. Yeah. I need to revisit that one. It's been, 
It's been a while, but that is a great, slightly larger wave foil for sure. So how has your approach to pumping changed, if it has, over the last year? It definitely has. Um, I think a lot of pumping kind of depends on the foil you're riding, first of all. You know, it seems like certain foils prefer a certain type of pumping. So if you get on a new Mm -hmm. foil, you kind of have to experiment with your pumping a little bit and figure out what that foil wants. Like what, what can you do to make this foil move for you the best? Um, Lately, I I found myself kind of, I I sort of have a repertoire of different cadences that are usable, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So I'll have um, a, a really fast pump, a fast high pump that I will use. Um, I also have a slower cadence, more um, swoopy swim pump. Um, you've you've referenced it to like changing gears before. It almost feels like being in a little bit of a higher gear on a bike or mm-hmm. something. So I'm maybe I'm going a little faster forward. I'm putting a little bit more effort into it, but I'm actually doing less pumps per foot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's changed a bit, and I like to change um, cadences sometimes for nothing else than just using a little bit of a different group of muscles. Oh yeah. Um, resting, a resting one group of muscles and a little bit, you know, squatting deeper on one. And then that kind of starts burning out a different muscle and then you can change it up to rest that muscle. So it just kind of give, I feel like it extends my reach a little bit, just changing up cadences. Um, and you do that too. I do. Yeah. I've started doing like a one, two, one, two pump, big pump, little pump, big pump, little pump. Yeah. So a big swoop, a high tap, a big swoop, a high tap. And then as I come into a connection, it accelerates to the kind of more of just the, the high tapping, but with mm-hmm. more forward. Yeah. And then I try to let off as far away from the connection wave as I can now, which is like that's something really should, fun. That's something we should touch on because um, that's one thing over the past six months, I'd say I realized you can turn a foil way, way tighter when you're not going Mach 10 on speed. Yep. So, so like on connection turns for sure, like stopping a little bit before the wave, having a game plan in your mind, you glide into it and now you're not going balls to the wall fast when you hit it. So now your arcs can be tighter. Mm -hmm. Everything can be planned out a little better. That's definitely something to think about. And I think about that too on, um, even on my top turns when I'm already on a wave, like not necessarily a connection, but doing a get way deep into the flats on a bottom turn, maybe even fade a little bit the other way and set up for the top turn so that when I'm at the top of the wave, I've kind of lost enough speed to wrap it tighter. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely a little bit away from the pumping, but yeah. no, it's in the same vein. The, uh, the efficiency of the 120 has blown my mind and how far it's interesting because I don't do as many pause glides on it because once you get close to stall speed, you have to be really careful about how you bring it back up to 14, 15 miles an hour yeah. in Smoka. The first, the first time I saw you riding the 120, he's pumping back out and he's going, it looks like he's going a solid 20 miles an hour. I don't know how fast he's going. It pumps it at looks, like 15. It looks creepy. Like it looks wrong, like powered, you know? So he's pumping back out and I see a wave coming. I'm like, oh, sweet. I'm about to see how this thing does a connection turn. And he stopped so far in front of this wave that he was about to connect. In my mind, I was like, oh my God, he's done. He's He's not even, he's just going to sit back out in the lineup. Like he's obviously given up on pumping. And then he wrapped a super tight one off the top. And I was like, oh my God, that thing, it just, it glided so well. It carried speed so well. Yeah. You stopped so far in front of that wave. It looks, you can do it like in seven, eight per- second period swell. I can stop pumping at the wave before, before the one right. I want to connect yeah, to. Yeah, that, that was about the time yep. distance that was yeah that I saw that day. Which is really so kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. It means, too, that in good shore running conditions, seven-second period, you could just connect down mm-hmm. the beach without just turn pumping. Off, turn off one and then right, right into the one behind it. Yep. It's going to be mind-blowing. I think sure. that might be tomorrow. I, I had on the 120, like, the coolest shore run condition, like, moments I've had where I could just – park it in energy and just stand there connecting wave to wave. I probably did three or four blocks without a pump connecting four or five waves on one. It was probably five or six second north swell. And tomorrow I think we have south swell, which should be better. I, I cannot wait to feel that foil. Hopefully everything will line up for it, but um, 
I don't know. I'm so I'm so bullish about where we're headed. If you look at how much better foils are right now yeah. than a year ago. Yeah, I know. It's so much better. And I mean, I got to be realistic. Like at some point we're going to we're going to plateau a little bit, you know, like whether it's our progression or the foil the um equipment progression, but right now I feel like people that are pushing the sport and foil manufacturers are feeding off of each other so well that it's it's moving at such a fast, strong pace. It just I can't help but be like still super frothy on the sport. It's just watching what's happened. Yeah, I actually think it's. I think some of the big leaps have probably happened, but as foiling grows, there's going to be more money in it. There's going to be more incentive to develop the next new good thing. Yeah, smarter right. people are going to get you're into right. it, and so I think that we're going to start to see some pretty incredible um, designs now. My question is, is that going to go towards the winging? I think the winging sport is going to be bigger. And so I think that you're going to start to see a lot of foil, like cash going into designing for yeah. the wing. I think it's, it's possible, but I think it, it depends on where you're at too. Like, I don't, I don't know that winging here is going to be bigger. I think on a global, everyone's on, going to care a, about the global level. Yeah. On a global level. Yeah. You, you probably, you're probably right. But I think for here at least. Like prone foiling will probably still be bigger than wing foiling with what we have to offer. I don't think it's bigger here right now. You don't? I think there's more guys that winging wing. I mean, think about the pond. I, I prone so much. It's just because it's yeah, you and Gabe down well, in St. Augustine. That's right. Yeah, we don't have nobody wings in St. Augustine except for me right. and Dave. Right. Dave Slip. Yeah, and everybody who prones wings, and there's probably ten or fifteen guys that wing, wing that don't, don't prone. prone. Yeah, I guess it is a little different up here. Yeah. It's a good point. We'll have to yep. see where that goes. Hopefully, they don't forget about prone prone foiling because that's my that's my biggest jam. <laughs> no, no one's going to forget about it. It's too good. I think that there's going to be a moment here in Florida where you're going to have to have a couple things happen. I think you're going to have to have the price of gear come down a little bit or mm. a bigger used market, and then there's going to be some influential surfers who start to go the our way because yeah. it's so far superior for the conditions that we have. For sure, man. I. Yeah, I think as as more like reputable local surfers, like you mentioned, Gabe, my buddy Gabe Kling in St. Augustine, like he's he's about as pro of a local as we get, as we have. World you know? tour. Yeah, I mean, I he's mean, legit, like yeah. as legit as it gets. Still lives in St. Augustine, and he took up foiling probably six months or so ago, and he's like he's like really cool. he's right there with us, man. Some of the stuff yeah, he he's rips. doing, it, it's. It's amazing that amount of progression in that short of time. So I think when when more guys like that start picking the sport up, yeah, I don't know how other people are going to be able to turn it down. You know, yeah, it'll be a money and social status thing. Yeah, or, for sure. Or sunk cost of mm -hmm. some people that just don't want to put on the white belt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Um, the foiling just attracts people that are. You got to be willing to. I mean, you, you got to know you're going to, you're going to have to pay your dues and I don't care how good of a surfer you are. Like if you start, if you start foiling, there's going to be a progression path that, but that's, that's part of the fun of it for me. I, I like, yeah, I like the challenge and I don't, I'm, I've said it before. I don't mind being a little bit of a kook for a while and learning something new. That's part of what attracts me to it. Have you seen any resistance to foiling in St. Augustine? A little bit. Um, for the most part, it's been pretty accepted. Um, I surf frequently in a spot that could be regarded as a, a pretty well-known spot. And um, it's uh, most of the people out there, luckily I've been longboarding out there long enough to where most of the people recognize me from longboarding. So they know I'm not just some random guy that just showed up with a foil and is trying to take over the lineup or doesn't know what he's doing. They, they kind of know me already. So that helps. But um, the other day I was out there and one of my buddies mentioned to me, it was kind of like, hey man, just, just so you know, there were some vibes the other day, you know, and I was like, what, what, you know, what's up? And he's like, well, I guess you were pumping out and, um, you know, a guy was paddling for a wave or something and he, he felt like you didn't see him and you pumped by him and you scared the crap out of him. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't know what to say. Like, I'm, it's probably going to happen again. Like, but when I'm pumping, I'm in, I'm in complete control and it's super easy to go around somebody because, you know, if they're not on a wave, they're going half, you know, a, a sixth of the speed I'm going. So it's like, I got complete control. And I just think there's, there's going to be some guys that 
just they just don't understand the sport you know they don't they don't know how much control I have over the foil so if I come anywhere close to them and I'm pumping by them at 15 miles an hour that looks super sketchy to them you know but but it's not really that sketchy. Like we pump by each other all the time. It's not that big a yeah. deal, you know, <laughs> a lot yeah. closer than what I probably pumped by this guy with, you know? Um, so I think there's going to be some of that and there's, there's definitely just going to be the haters that just kind of hating cause they ain't us kind of thing. You know, it's like the secret jealousy, like they want to get into it, but they don't, like you said, they don't want to start over on something. And right. Um, but for the most part, it's been reasonably accepted. I try to be really respectful in the lineup. I try not to sit on the same little peak. If I'm foiling where there's people, which I don't always foil where there's people because I don't need to foil where there's people all the time. But if that happens to be where the waves are, um, I try not to sit on the same peak with the same few guys. I, I move around. Um, We're so fortunate here to have such spread out beaches. Yeah. No one gets packed in. I think it's hilarious though when there's five or six of us out here foiling and then the one surfer paddles out right in the middle. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> right, this is a foil beach, man. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we've had an e-foil showing up. Really? Yeah. Someone heard about it and the one or two e-foilers have been cruising out back, which. Oh man. Did I tell, I, did I tell you Dave Slump just got a couple of yeah. lift e-foils? Yeah. That's going to be super exciting. He's actually doing, he's going to do lessons with them, which I think is a great idea. Like, um, that's probably a really good way to dive into foil and he's got a couple of e-foil setups and then a couple of jet skis and he's starting to do lessons, which I think is really good for anybody who's looking to get into the sport. Don't just buy a foil setup and go paddle out in the lineup. Like that's pretty, unless you have a really strong background, that's, that's kind of a setup for a humbling few sessions. And Not also to probably to dangerous. waste some money. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, ideally you want to borrow some big gear, get behind a boat, and then yeah, get behind a boat with somebody who's, who yeah. knows what they're doing. Like, like my buddy Dave Slimp, he's kind of he's kind of like the Saint Augustine OG foiler, you know, kind of got in on it. Like when some like foils were made out of steel and you know, like super heavy and sketchy, and but he taught me how to foil behind a jet ski, slung me into my first wave, and has done that with. I feel like everybody else in St. Augustine that started foiling, Dave had something to do with it. So you find somebody like that that has experience teaching and it will be well worth whatever money you spend on a lesson because it will amp up your progression much, much faster than just paddling out and charging it. But anyway, it's kind of a side tangent. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit here and let's talk about the passion that you have for foiling i mean you spend as much time thinking about foiling as i do i think which is a lot of time a lot (laughs) um probably more than you should yeah but i think those are beautiful things i think that being all in in something is number one the best place that you could be the most fun place that you can be but i also think that it permeates life josh waitskin who's been on the podcast talks about um having a beacon of quality and what he means by that is that by getting to the higher levels in one thing, then you understand how to apply that process to other things. Yes. Someone who's been, yes. you know, the best in the world at chess or one of the best in the world at chess, the best in the world at Tai Chi push hands and then Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And um, how has your dive into foiling come out in other areas of your life if it has? Yeah, I, I think it definitely has. First of all, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, skills build on skills. So it's like, regardless of what it is, I mean, it's amazing how, how many ways I'm able to kind of connect certain sports and skills with the next sport or the next skill. Um, I think foiling has kind of been an educational adventure for me too, which I didn't expect it to be when I got in it, but trying to understand this sport and trying to progress has caused me to dive so deep into like understanding foils and everything. I mean, like the, the level of understanding I have now and compared to what I did and how, how interested I've become in that side of it. I mean, that's all because of foiling, you know? And yeah, probably just the educational side of it and how I approach um, learning new aspects of, of foiling and things that have to do with foiling. Yeah. 
have you, has it been a detriment to anything? You and Abby are super tight. Yeah, I probably have to ask my wife and... that question would be the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it has. It's, um, I think my wife, I think, God bless her. She's super, super supportive. It, I like, I would definitely not be able to foil as much if it wasn't for her level of understanding on my obsessions. But um, I, we've met some cool people through foil, both of us, you yep. know, like you guys, like we, yep. and, and we've spent time together with our families and um, we've done some travels, like, you know, doing the Cocoa Beach thing. And, and I just drag her along with me and our son. And um, I think it's, I think it's been positive. Um, you know, I mean, there, we spent some money on it, but for the most part, once, once you've got a good setup, you kind of invested in, then surfing's free, you know, and we're able to just travel around a little bit. And, and it's healthy. To, yeah, man. I mean, my cardio has just stayed on point. I think overall foiling has been really good for me and it's been not detrimental to my family. That, that's, that's my, that's my take on it. Yeah. Um, I feel like my wife would say the same though. I actually think that it makes me, I think having something, mocha fui that, get down. I think that <laughs> having something that you're super passionate about and excited, when you're excited to get up in the morning, I think that that energy permeates all aspects of For your sure. life. And yes. so I feel like, I think I'm a much better husband, father, yes. <laughs> when I'm in the water for a couple hours a yes. day because I'm stoked and I can deal yeah. with stuff I don't want to do so much better than when I've just sat in a house for two weeks and haven't had those outlets or those moments. Everything else seems so much harder. Yeah. To, uh, to add on that, you know, I'll be at work and I'm in some downtime. Like, what's the surf forecast like? Oh man, there's gonna be waves tomorrow. There's gonna be waves this next day, and I got I'll have a window that day. That right there, that little opening of knowing I'm gonna be able to foil within the next couple of days is enough a lot of times for me to just be boop, I'm in a good mood. Like, you know, like okay, like yeah, I'm at work today or it's super busy or stressful, I got this or that going on, but I know tomorrow I'm gonna be able to foil. And that makes such a big difference. And that's what's so cool about, you know, with here with the conditions we have. You know, it just doesn't take, it doesn't take much. Like I don't, I don't need much to have an incredible session. So I'm constantly looking at the forecast and I'm constantly excited and happy about what's to come because of our options with foiling. So yeah, I'm just a happier person overall. And yeah, for sure. I'm definitely a better dad and a husband when I can get a couple hours in a foiling. Yep. No doubt. hundred percent. It had changed Florida for me. When oh. we had to move back from Costa Rica, yeah. I thought there was no way that I was going to be able to live here. Yeah. I was upset. I was bummed kind of all the time. And the foilings changed that in a, For sure. in a huge way. I don't want to travel now, Yeah, which is wild. It's weird. I, I just used the term, it's still firing out back a minute ago. And it's like one to two feet. It's like, yeah, maybe onshore, two foot, ten. slightly onshore wind. Yeah. But I, I literally just looked at Eric and I was like, man, it's still firing out back. Like that's yeah. Like, you guys are lucky we're doing the show because <laughs> we almost didn't. <laughs> well, luckily we surfed a little bit before the show. Yeah, we so did. If we didn't, then we we wouldn't be doing the show right now. I can guarantee that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yesterday so was many. barely breaking, and I took out the one ninety and ended up having some really good moments. Yeah. On nothing and demo, like being able to do it with demo is like the most fun thing ever. And he's just had this ridiculous two weeks of learning. All of a sudden, yeah. his pump is like what? Just yeah, watching figured him out. today was that was nutty. The arm thing just clicked for him. Oh, he's he's got a rhythm and it's like yeah, that's his his whole foiling world is about to open up hugely. And it's something we talk about. I think we talked about it unless it's like he went from riding the eight fifty Armstrong, which took a lot of energy for him to pump to hop in on the twelve fifty. Hated it for the first session. Then the pump clicked, and now he's able to stay up for so much longer. His learning curve has just exploded because now he's connecting one, two right. waves um, and pumping around. I think that that time on the pump has just allowed him to dial in. Arm movement's looking really good and his footwork yeah. is good. And, and I think, too, at some point he'll bounce back to the 850 on maybe oh a yeah. juicier day, but he'll be better for it because he's spent time on the 1250 and yep. just had more time on foil with a, yep. a bigger wing. And the 850 will probably feel super surfy and, yeah. Yep. Solid progression. 
what do you want to what do you want to jam on for the last little bit here? We said we do an hour and we're rounding that corner. Mm. We're looking at the mind map yeah. right now. Yeah. We covered a lot of this we stuff. We did. We we hit it pretty good. We hit it pretty good. The um How do you see the right now? Most foilers are becoming very multidisciplinary within the sport. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm even on the wing, which says something. And you're seeing everybody jump into the downwind game and the prone. And do you think that foiling is something that, because the flight aspect is just so addictive, people are going to be much more cross disciplinary? in getting it like you don't see florida shortboarders hopping on the longboard and that's much less of a mm -hmm. difference between a foiler going from shore running to winging yeah at foilers is it or is it because there's a personality that's already getting I, into foiling yeah that's what I, think. I think it's both i think the flight foil flight is so addicting and mind-blowing that you there's part of you it's like you want as much of that as possible so it's like, okay, if winging is going to give me more, more time on foil, yeah, I'm going to do it. You know, if downwinding or shore running is going to give me more time on foil, yeah, I'm going to do it. But there's also that aspect of, I, I just think that people that are attracted to foiling are the types of people in general that are willing to try new things. So naturally, if those types of people are in the sport, when they see other avenues within the sport, they're going to gravitate to it. And I, I think, you know, I haven't met somebody that foils that, I wouldn't want to hang out with at least a little bit. Like everybody that's that foils, it seems really some, you know, like-minded enough for me to want to talk to them, you know, like want to exchange numbers. Like everybody's been super friendly, super open-minded, super frothy on the sport. You know, like I just, that's just the kind of people that foiling attracts. It seems like, which is rad, Yep. you know, cause I can't say the same for, for surfing. Like as much as I love regular surfing and, shortboarding um i mean i you know not even close yeah it's not, very different yeah sup was cool like i think the sup community stand-up surfing community was good but it was a different community mm -hmm. it was like um not quite as all in or charging you know the where the foiling community i feel like most folks are super passionate about it, but also risk takers and charging. I mean, yeah, our crew here is great. Everybody's rad. Yeah, literally everybody we foil with here, I, I mean, they're awesome. They're, yeah. They're good people. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, the same thing with the guys that foil in St. Augustine, which we have, I mean, there's only a small handful of guys in comparison up here, but everybody, man, it's, it's I think foiling just attracts that type of person and it's awesome. I love that about the sport. Yeah. All right, Mike, what do you want to leave folks with? Man, I'm s still super frothy on foiling. It's been, this last year has been incredible. Um, man, gear is getting so good. It's, it's, we're in such an exciting point in the sport with progression and gear progression. I'm just looking forward to what's next and trying to stay somewhat on the leading edge of you know, of, of pushing the sport and encouraging other guys to push it. Yeah, man. I think your last edits are as good as anybody's, man. Like I say that begrudgingly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, but no, they're so good. Well, I appreciate it, man. Your style, like, it shows that you've changed your focus. Yeah. And it's kind of like a mindset change a little bit. Same, same stuff, just... Just make it make it a little more fluid and flow. Yeah. Yeah. Still be able to get radical. Yeah. And that's what man foiling just lends itself to that if you let it. Dude, I, that's something I say all the time, and I feel bad because you know people probably heard it five times, but there are certain setups, game changer being one of them. I think once I get it dialed, the 120 will be the same way. You could jeer to an extent where you can go out and you can connect a minute and a half, two minutes of waves. And in that two minutes, you can get the best feels of a longboard. 
Yes. You can get the best yeah, feels of a mid length yep. and fish and shortboard. Yeah. All, all, all in the same two minutes of surfing. And there are days I could go out. Sometimes I'll do this if I'm busy and I, you know, it's just a little crumble. I'll go out and get two waves and it's all the turns I would have done in a three hour surf session. For sure. And that's why I think it's, that's why I don't understand how people aren't seeing that and jumping in because your work to reward ratio and foiling is so much higher than in, than in the surf world. Yeah, it will eventually. I, yeah. I don't some, even know if we need to rush that. It. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. I'll just keep doing my thing. Yeah. Foiling is, I think the goat of water sports here for me, at least for sure. Yep. And I think that we got really lucky to live in a spot where, it's actually really, really good for oh, it. Bro, this, we live in foil, a foil haven, man. This is yeah, yeah. It's so good, so good. Right on, Mike. Thank you. Yeah, man. Stoked to be back on. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm, I'm really enjoying these podcasts, man. I'll keep them going. All right. See you, brother. This is the Progression Project podcast. Deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Anthemson.